This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 83, How to Maximize Your Retirement Income and Why Bank-on-Yourself-Type Policy Loans Matter. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. So we've been going over a ton of content lately on our income mini-series, and we've been using the metaphor of streams of income for uh, rivers of money. And we are going to dive even deeper into this wonderful metaphor. But first, I want to introduce our wonderful co-host, Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Mark. And I'm Mark Willis. Glad to have you guys with us today. Uh, So again, we've been looking at multiple income streams of income. We started this mini-series with our friend Ryan Rieger with 16 streams of passive income. We looked at the government's passive income stream. We call it Social Security. We've looked at annuities and ways that they pay. We've looked at protected income and retirement. And uh, most recently, we took a deep dive in the last episode into the fixed indexed annuity with an income writer. I mean, (laughs) phew. That's a huge, powerful, um, you know, uh, series that we've covered. And we've come a long way in our mini series to talk about how income can truly work for you in retirement. But we've got one more, I think, just nitroglycerin dynamite show here. And I can't wait to share this with you guys. But what are we covering today, Holly? Yeah. So now what we want to show you is how much peace and financial stability you can have when you couple a fixed indexed annuity, like we've talked about in our last episode, with the power of bank on yourself type whole life insurance policies for your retirement. So we call this, we like to call this uh, strategy, the income maximization strategy. Um, You can organize the income maximization strategy with the bank on yourself concept to create this powerful financial ecosystem for you and your family. I mean, truly a powerful combination for your financial future, giving you a potent mix of growth, income, guarantees, accessibility, tax advantages. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, And I mean, we're just not really sure that we personally can find anything much better than this. Yeah, I'm, it, it's not like when you choose to put your money into life insurance or annuities that you are choosing to give up uh, all the powerful, incredible strategies of Wall Street and real estate. And no, you you are saying yes to all the incredible things that you just said there, Holly. The growth potential, the income, the accessibility, the tax advantages. I mean, it really kind of starts to become overwhelming when you sort of watch what happens to one's financial future when you choose to build your financial life around these sort of financial strategies. So when developing sane, sustainable financial strategies that won't run dry, it's helpful to think about, in my opinion, it's helpful for me as a nerd anyway, to think about the (laughs) fundamental laws of the universe. I mean, financial realities are not created in a vacuum uh, or in some economist's mind, right? They're built around the same rules of nature that govern how trees grow or how water flows. So let's just take a minute and let's think about how oceans and rivers work together to make themselves stronger and to give life to the planet. I mean, they are the abundant source of life on this planet. Without rivers, there'd be no ocean. Without ocean (laughs) and clouds, there'd be no rivers. They work together as an ecosystem. It's a system of ecology and they are interdependent. And as an overflow of their system, we're all alive right now. We all benefit from that. 
So if you think about how the power of modernized annuities, as we've described them, how they can create that steady and even increasing income stream over your retirement years, if you think about that, and again, listen to the last episode to learn how that happens, um, even as powerful as that strategy is, it still comes up with problems if it's all the money that you ever have in your life tied up in one of those fixed index annuities. So, you know, it, it does take care of like the problem of living too long, but there are still shortcomings if all your cash is in that fixed index annuity. So, for example, yeah. if you're receiving like 80000 bucks a year in that fixed index annuity, and let's say you needed 150000 bucks to invest in some real estate or maybe to cover a medical emergency, that annuity is going to be really hard-pressed to squeeze that out of its coffers. Now, Holly, we talked last time about how withdrawals are possible in these annuities, but they're typically going to penalize you later with a lower income mm-hmm. uh, the next year, right? So, and, and if you take money out in the first couple of years, you might even be slapped with a surrender charge. So using your annuity like a piggy bank is doing something to the annuity that it really wasn't designed to do. It's sort of like trying to do deep sea diving in a river. You know, annuities just aren't designed to keep your cash that liquid. So it's there, I suppose it's there. If you really needed the cash, you could grab it, but it's definitely not the first place to tap for emergencies or opportunities. Yep. And in addition, annuities are building up an illiquid asset uh, for sometimes decades, depending on how you want to use the annuity. Um, so example, for example, if you are 40 years old when you start your first index annuity using our income maximization strategy, it might be 20 to 25 years before you actually get to enjoy any of that money as an income stream. But I mean, of course, we know life happens in that time. So maybe you have a need for paying for your kid's college or buying your cars or other purposes for cash before you retired. Well, how can we solve that problem? We need more than just a river, right? Like you were talking about, Mark, you know, like we can't just have rivers and we can't just have oceans. Um, we need to have both. And so, you know, where could you possibly keep an ocean of money mm. um, <laughs> in case you had unexpected expenses or opportunities show up in your life, Mark? Yeah. I don't know. Are there any places? <laughs> Maybe other podcasts could tell us all about this. I don't know. Uh, uh, let's see. Now, possibly bank on yourself. Type policies, yeah. Right, I knew there was something. (laughs) Right on. So, you know, they obviously are there as a ready access to capital, a big ocean of cash for your contingencies, your opportunities. If you had that $150,000 expense that we mentioned earlier, let's say you had a million bucks sitting over there in your nice bank on yourself type whole life policy, straight up just stroke the check. In about three to five business days after requesting a loan or withdrawal, the money's right in your bank account. So in addition to that liquidity of that bank on yourself type policy, you can also take money out of the bank on yourself type policy for income in retirement. It works just like any big bucket of cash sloshing around with some money in it, (laughs) right? (laughs) So that's the real advantage of bank on yourself policies for income uh, in that it works like a rocket booster to your annuity. Let's say your annuity is paying you 80,000 bucks a year or this year anyway, and you wanted maybe a hundred grand a year for income this year. Well, you could avoid taking money out of the annuity and instead just withdraw or loan $20,000 from the bank on yourself whole life policy. So it works as like a really nice kind of like buffer or filler, you know, so it's like anything that your annuities may be short in any given year, whether that's just a particular income goal or a major expense gets, you know, kind of lands on you. That's your contingency capital. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of the generic form of how this works. But I really want to dive into how the bank on yourself whole life type uh, type whole life policies really work 
in giving us, all of us, the best income possible for the dollar that's in there. So we want our dollars working super hard for us in our retirement years to make it you know, just last as long as it possibly can and to give us the best life we possibly can get. One of the things that I was really impressed with, Holly, when you first came up with, uh, with us uh, at Lake Growth Financial Services is you created a spreadsheet. And tell me just quickly about what is the spreadsheet you made and also why it matters. Yeah, so um, I was actually working with a client that was comparing different insurance companies. And um, we kind of came across this fancy terminology that we'll share with you guys shortly. Um, that was the difference kind of between uh, direct recognition and what's called non-direct recognition. So an insurance company is either direct recognition or non-direct recognition. And um, so the client, the two companies they were comparing, you know, kind of our company and the other company, the difference was one was non-direct, the other was direct recognition. Um, and so I just wanted to show them um, what that could mean for them from an income standpoint, depending on which company they went with. Because um, I think there, I mean, and of course this was like four years ago. So um, some of the details are a little fuzzy on their particular situation, but I think it looked like the growth was a little bit better with the other company. Um, but I was able to show how even though maybe the starting income amount was a little higher with the other company, um, the actual income that was taken from our company was greater because it's non-direct recognition. So, I mean, that just shows that when it comes to whole life insurance, it's important to remember and to know at least that the the words um, buried deep in your contract because uh, what they are matter greatly. So right. in addition to, of course, your policy needing to be a dividend paying whole life insurance policy like we talked about with a mutual insurance company that pays dividends and have a track record of paying them over at least the last century without fail, you, know, you want to have a policy that comes with massive cash accumulation using the paid up additions riders. I mean, one of the most crucial elements though in addition to all those is then and is always overlooked is this provision buried very deep in your insurance policy and that's known as non-direct recognition policy loans what what we're going to talk about here so um, these non-direct recognition contracts mean that the insurance company will credit you the exact same dividend even when you've taken a loan from your policy. So that lets you use your money and still having it, still have it growing for you as if you hadn't touched a dime of it. So we talk a lot about that awesome concept in our episodes, but it's important for those of our listeners who you know, might or might not be aware, but not all insurance companies are just super easy to work with when you wanna mm -hmm. get cash out or request a loan. Or I, even offer that. Or even offer that, yeah. yeah. When, you know, I recently had a conversation actually, Holly, with someone who had just started a policy with a company but I would, which I would not recommend. Uh, he had bought the policy several years ago and had built up almost $200,000 in cash in that policy over there, which is super cool. However, he wanted to use the cash value to buy a rental property. And this is what his agent said. It was really phenomenal. He said, uh, he called his agent, not from our offices again, and the agent actually discouraged this person from taking the loan and instead pointed this gentleman to go get a loan at the bank. <laughs> so it turns out some life insurance agents are actually penalized in their commissions if the policyholder takes a loan. I mean, Holly, can you imagine? That's so crazy. That makes no sense because the insurance wow. company itself has to do something with those dollars, right? Either they have to invest the money in bonds and whatnot or loan it out to you and me. And it's simply a simpler 
and safer investment for the insurance company to place cash in our pocket because they know uh, that that money is going to either be repaid by us during our lifetime or be netted out from our death benefit when we pass away. It's literally the safest investment the insurance company could make because they collateralize the loan with our own death benefit. So his life, this guy's life insurance company, again, the, one of the companies we'd not recommend, is using what's known as direct recognition policy loan provisions. So that's either where they don't pay dividends or a different dividend on the amount of cash that you've borrowed against uh, from your policy. Uh, but using your cash value to become your own source of financing is literally one of the most beneficial and powerful concepts that use bank on yourself. If you're going to do bank on yourself, you got to have non-direct recognition loans. And if you're being penalized or if your agent is being penalized for you <laughs> getting the money out, you might be discouraged from banking on yourself. That's why it's so important to work with an advisor uh, such as us who knows the strategies, knows the companies, knows which products are we're going to use the policy in the in the bank on yourself way. Yeah, and again to speak further to kind of the stickiness or the like what can what can be buried, you know, in in the contract provisions is just to make our listeners aware there are some companies that if you just ask the agent, you know, are you direct recognition or non-direct recognition? They can legally say they're non-direct recognition. However, the dividends are not still being paid out um, as if it, you know, if you took a loan the dividend are not still being paid out as if you hadn't taken the loan. So there are some companies where the, the, um, the way that it's structured is they'll pay you the full dividend. However, they don't pay it out until you've paid the loan back. Wow. So it's this kind of, I guess, this sneak around almost yeah. that they came up with where they're like, oh yeah, we're going to give you your full dividend. We're just not going to pay it to you until the loan's paid back. Wow. Well, you think about income and yeah. retirement, well, we know that those loans are never planning on being paid back. So for the purposes of at least retirement income, you're never going to see that dividend because the loan will never be fully paid back. So again, more sneaky ways different insurance companies are going to try and tell you that they can do these great things when in reality, it may not be the case. <clears throat> Mm. Um, but ju it was just a side note. <laughs> but um, we've also talked in previous episodes like uh, 75 and episode 32 on how bank on yourself policy loans work. And that feature is powerful when you're using it to pay off debts, paying for cars or kids college. And then, of course, as we you know have been mentioning, the policy will continue to grow even on the capital you've borrowed. So, um, yes, bank on yourself is the one incredible chance to overcome the problem of opportunity costs like we've talked about before as well. Um, just, I mean, overcoming opportunity costs and, and being able to use your policy to buy the stuff of life. I mean, this is really only possible if your life insurance policy was designed correctly from the beginning and has a true non-direct recognition policy loan provision. So this is where the insurance company simply does not recognize you took the loan out, they pay you the entire dividend, and um, even while the loan is outstanding. So just like I was talking about, not that the dividend will be paid eventually, but the dividend is actually actively being paid each and every year, even while the loan is still out. So it's like getting your money to do two things at once. Um so cool. Well, and so again, we're here to talk about retirement income. What is this, you know, very fairly arcane, you know, complex vocabulary we're doing in a topic on retirement income? Well, <laughs> um, so, you know, we've been talking about this non-direct recognition policy loan provision. And again, that's the power of letting the money do two things at once. That's pretty cool when we need to buy our cars or our vacations. 
But can you can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine what that would do growing your cash even when you've spent it over 25 or even 30 years of your retirement? Letting your money grow on the groceries you bought when you were 62 years old in retirement, you know, mm-hmm. when now you're 72 years old. I mean, that's just the power of this strategy. And what it does is it allows your hard-earned dollars to work as hard as possible for you. In fact, uh, we did want to break this down. So we did design, Holly, you designed this spreadsheet to show exactly how this would work. All other things being equal, the non-direct recognition uh, policy would let a, a client's money last almost twice as long, right? Yep. So, you know, let's take a look at that. So we shared this in our show notes, and we'd be happy to share this spreadsheet with you all uh, and how the policy can accumulate. We've talked in other episodes about how the money grows growing up the mountain toward our retirement. But now let's say that you've reached that pinnacle. You're at the top of the mountain. You've built up all this money and you're age 65 or whatever. And now you see that you want to come down the mountain and spend that cash in retirement. So if you're looking at the spreadsheet, and again, we've included it in our show notes, we're looking at two different policies laid side by side with two individuals, both age 65 years old. They both have exactly 1.9 million bucks in their cash value at age 65, and both want to take $120,000 a year out of the policy as a loan and not repay the loan. It's simply going to you know, be paid off when the person passes away by the death benefit, okay? We're simply going to let that, lo- that loan roll forward and still use uh, this money as income to supplement our retirement. So it's important to remember that you do not have to pay these loans off in retirement. It's a loan that's simply paid off by the death benefit when you pass away. So we show here on our spreadsheet here uh, the cash value without loans growing nicely in both cases, uh, both policies earning 5% internal rate of return, and both policies are assuming a 5% loan rate. Uh, in both cases, we're letting the interest accumulate on the loan uh, on the loan principal. The only difference between these two designs here is that one policy is direct recognition and the other is non-direct recognition. Again, the non-direct recognition is the insurance company simply not recognizing that you took that loan and paying you the full dividend that year and every year as if you had not taken the money out. Okay, so what's the bottom line? The total amount withdrawn from the direct recognition loan, the one that we don't recommend, has the person's income lasting only 16 years. 16 years, okay? Let's look now at the non-direct recognition loan company because there it's continuing to grow the money on the cash even on the loan as it grows, right? It allows that individual to take income for 28 years, another 12 years of income beyond what the other guy had. So the grand total of the amount withdrawn from the direct recognition loan is 2 million bucks, which is not bad, right? Not bad. But remember, he only had 1.9 million to start with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas the non-direct recognition uh, loan company provided a total withdrawal of three million three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That's a big difference That's just for one difference. small little line in your contract. Yeah, I mean, twelve years, an additional twelve years of income. I mean, so are you, you know, planning on living more than yeah. uh, sixteen years after you retire? Probably, you mm-hmm. know, so that, I mean, that's crazy. That, I mean, it, it's it, a huge difference. The direct recognition loans effectively stop the growth of your cash the minute you retire. Mm-hmm. If you've got a 5% dividend internal growth and a 5% loan that's netting out basically zero growth. Yeah, yeah, it, which is why they're only taking about $2 million off of 1.9 of cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yep. that works out. Um, <clears throat> so 
it's important to know that that's kind of how these policies are working because um, with just an annuity, you know, you couldn't get access to lump sums and you couldn't boost your retirement income in the early years um, while you wait for maybe your annuity to give you a couple extra pay raises or to take those cruises you've been waiting for. So if you, um, you know, just had the annuity, your options are limited. If you just had a bank on yourself policy, you have the liquidity, but you could still possibly run out of income. So if you see there's there's kind of multiple problems here that maybe we can't just solve with one product or one solution. So that's why we kind of have this strategy we've uh, come up with to kind of use the two to complement each other and solve really as many of the problems you'll face in retirement as possible um, just with two products. So still not crazy complicated, just requires two different products. Um, what if at age 70, you had a fixed indexed annuity with $1 million in it? and you had a bank on yourself policy with another million dollars in cash value. So you're going to give yourself a few options here by having these two different products and, and kind of two strategies going on. Okay, so you got a million bucks in the annuity yep. and you got a million bucks in the bank on yourself type, the whole life policy. Okay, Yep, great. to kind of illustrate how these can work together. So um, you give yourself a few options. First, you can turn on the annuity immediately, providing you with income starting at 58000 in your first year with pay raises. Um, the whole life insurance policy also could provide you $58,000 a year tax-free under current tax law from age 70 to age 95. So something to keep in mind is the whole life insurance income will be you know, limited. It will run out. It can run out, whereas the annuity goes on forever. Um, but the total amount of income would be over $1.5 million just from the whole life alone, um, that 58000 mm -hmm. from age 70 to 95. Now, don't forget if you work with certain annuity companies, they're still going to offer those raises to your income when the index is positive, even in the retirement years. Um, so with even by year 10, the income has under historical index performance, grown to an annual income of 78,000. So even though it started at 58, now by year 10, we're at 78, and we're up to 140 by age 95. So $140,000 that year when you were 95. Mm -hmm. Wow, cool. Yep, yep, by the time that we get to age 95. So I was especially impressed that the year the account value ran dry on the annuity at age 80. So what does that mean? The account value went to zero. Well, essentially that means like you've spent all the money you ever put into this thing. In the annuity. And yeah, like all the money you put into it and all the money it ever grew to, like it's gone. So you're pretty much living off the annuity company at that point. So for this particular example, um, this person hit that point at age 80. And even when that happened, so all their account, account values gone, all the cash they ever put into it, and all their growth, but the annuity still paid income of $100,000 that year. Wow. So as you said in the previous episodes, even if you run out of money, you exactly. never run out of income. Exactly. Exactly. So using the whole life uh, for income gave you $1.5 million and the annuity with pay raise it gives you about $2.3 million for a total of $3.8 million of income over your retirement years, so that'd be till you know age 95, mm -hmm. and that's all without any market risk. So cool. All right, so I'm also super impressed that these accounts uh, are paying at least a 5.3% withdrawal rate. Uh, you know that 
that might sound pretty nerdy to some folks, but you know, over a long period of time, they've said Wall Street needs to only offer you about 2.8% out of your 401ks or IRAs or brokerage accounts. So, you know, we mentioned that you'd have a million bucks in your whole life policy and a million dollars in your annuity. Uh, and each of those gave you somewhere in the middle $50,000 a year each for a total of uh, over hundred grand in the first year of income. Mm-hmm. But whereas with Wall Street, with a million bucks in a 401k or whatnot, they're saying maybe around $28,000 a year is the safe withdrawal rate. And that number keeps going down, by the way. Um, that number that, you know, kind of the safe withdrawal rate for stocks and that sort of thing, mutual funds, that used to be closer to 5%. Yep. And then what ended up happening? Oh, wait. Everyone was running out of money. So they were like, oh, okay, maybe 5% is too high. And it has come down from 5% to 2.8%. And even then, there's still a chance you're going to run out of money. Um, I know we've talked about this in a previous episode, but they literally have um, a pot like a a possibility percentage of you running out of money for each withdrawal percentage. So it's like if you take 5%, you pretty much have a 90% chance of running out of money. And then as you go down, you know, your possibility Mm -hmm. of um, running out of money gets, you know, less and less to the point where they get down to 2.8. But even 2.8 is still only like a... 10% uh, chance of failure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Anyways, that's that's an aside. I mean, if you had (laughs) an airplane that would one out of 10 times go crashing into the ocean, would you get on that airplane? No. No, I would not. I would want a 100% success. Exactly. So let's think about one more creative idea as we wrap this episode up. What if we use these uh, two financial vehicles, the whole life policy and the annuity, but let's say we use the whole life insurance and spent that down first. And at the same time, we let the annuity uh, grow and accumulate. So the idea here is, you know, we spend down the whole life insurance earlier in our retirement years that would allow the annuity to keep growing to give you a larger payout in later years. Let's try that, right? Uh, what, let's, let's see what happens when the annuity is allowed to grow for 10 years. For safety's sake, let's, let's leave at least $100,000 in the whole life policy to have for the final year emergencies and that sort of thing. Uh, but let's spend all of our money uh, in the whole life policy down from a million bucks down to $100,000. So from age 70 to age 79, we're going to withdraw or loan $100,000 a year out of, out of our whole life policy. And at age 79, we stop. We just stop taking the income out of the whole life policy. Uh, but it keeps growing on the full million dollars that we started with back when we retired, since this policy is non-direct recognition. And we have $100,000 in the whole life policy for cash emergencies. So reminder, we had a million bucks in our annuity as well. But now in this strategy, we're letting it grow. We're just turning on the income 10 years later at age 79, after we've stopped taking money out of the whole life policy. Okay, so from age 70 to age 79, we're letting that annuity grow. And the annuity company, by the way, is willing to pay us more money if we're allowing that money to grow and we wait to turn on the income when we're older. So Mm -hmm. if you remember, Holly said that the income started in the mid-50s, you know, in the previous example. 58,000. 58. Uh, in this current example, we're looking at $123,000 uh, with pay raises on year uh, year 10 of your retirement. So we went from 100 grand a year from the whole life to 123,000 off the annuity. And by age 95, that income had grown to $233,000 a year. That's a grand total from the annuity of $2.8 million. And of course, the 900,000 or the million actually that we that we pulled out of the whole life insurance policy, the 900,000, right? Over nine years. Yep. So that's $500,000 more 
than starting your income off the annuity at age 70. So in comparison, if all the money was tied up in equity mutual funds or a blend of stocks and bonds as most Wall Street advisors would want you to do or annuity haters would want you to do, the safe withdrawal rate, as we've said, Holly, is around 3% a year, which means your two million bucks out of the equities and stocks and bonds would be around $60,000 a year. And as we just said, the whole life policy in this example gave you $100,000 a year tax-free and the stocks would be taxable, right? So that even penalizes the stocks even further. Uh, mm -hmm. Then at year 10, remember, we switched over to the annuity and it provided us $123,000, which is more than double what the stock market would try to give us. You know, right? But where are the guarantees in the stock market? That you'll even have $60,000 to spend in your retirement mm -hmm. or any year in your retirement. Yeah, because as soon as you experience that loss, you, your income is just hit so heavily and yep. that withdrawal rate because now you're you're keeping the same withdrawal rate but it's on a smaller amount so yep. your income's actually going down any year there's a loss wow wow so you know we've shared before i think holly just how inefficient wall street is at creating an income for us i think this proves it once and for all <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean when it comes to wall street stocks bonds i mean it might be the best way to grow your money in a certain year you know for example when markets are up you you could get that you know just straight 10 percent growth um, but it's impossible to predict what the market will do in any given year, uh, both as you save for your retirement and as you spend it down, even more importantly, yeah. as when you spend it down. So as we've said in episode 23, you know, three strategies for becoming a retirement planning expert, it's really coming down the mountain that is the most dangerous phase. Um, and folks are generally fairly bad at predicting what the markets will do next. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. um, recent studies show that monkeys randomly choosing stocks did better than the hedge fund managers on Wall Street. I mean, you might beat the markets this year or this quarter, but what about when you're 87 years old? I mean, do you want to still be picking and choosing stocks with precision? Or will you have the mental prowess to beat the best on Wall Street, the high speed traders and whatever new technologies available to give others the edge over you? I mean, my guess is probably not. I mean, I know I don't want to be mm -hmm. worrying about those things. I don't want to be stressing about um, if the market goes down or some CEO does you know, yeah. some terrible thing that I get less retirement income because mm -hmm. of it. No, thank you. Yeah. I want to be in charge of my retirement income. So, I mean, I just want peace of mind at that point in my life, knowing that my money and my income are just going to be there for me no matter what. Preach it. I like it. That's great. Uh, so, <laughs> Very good. I hope everyone has enjoyed this mini-series on income. We are bringing it to a close. We've got an exciting mini-series coming up on taxes. Can't wait. Can anybody just, you know, yeah, <laughs> drop the mic on that? Well, I wanted to wrap this episode up very quickly by reading one of our uh, dear listeners left us a five-star review. Uh, this is House to Apart, um, and he says, Great Financial Info Podcast. Uh, this is a major eye-opening podcast for anyone who wants to get their financial future in shape. I love Not Your Average Financial Podcast, and it is certainly true to its name. Mark and Holly do a great job of clearly breaking down the pros and cons of various finance and investing methods available to all of us and open our eyes to new vehicles that we may not have seen or be aware of until now. I listen to every episode and always look forward to the next one. Keep up the good work. Well, we will certainly try to do that. Uh, so thank you very much for sending that in. If you would like to send us a five-star review in an email, uh, send us a snapshot picture of your review. We will read it on the show. We'll also give you a free copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution. And I'll do one better too. 
If, uh, if you have a friend that you want to connect this podcast with and want to share it, uh, five-star reviews are great, but I'd say even better is just directly share this with a, a, a friend or colleague or family member. And if you connect us with uh, our, our dear listener, our new listener, the email again is hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. So if you email us and your friend, uh, we'll be sure to send them a copy of the book as well. How about that? So um, very good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show and for uh, contributing so much great feedback. It really keeps us encouraged and moving forward. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.